Welcome back to another episode of Better with Paul. Now, you know, like always, this episode was incredible. Not only did we have amazing guests, but this episode was packed full of value. And I know a lot of people overuse that word value, but I promise you, this was value. So I'm excited for you to hear it. Let's do it right after the break. Another episode of Better with Paul. Got a story. You ready for the story? Let's do it. All right. I'm going to try to make the story clean. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This is going to be very hard for me to keep this clean, but I'm going to try to make this clean because I know my mother is listening. Yeah. Oh, so no curses, right? No curses. Okay. Okay. Uh, That's that's the tough one for me. No, 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 no. (laughs) No, 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 no. You could curse. Oh, okay. I just know I'm not cursing. Yeah. All right. All right. (laughs) My mama sees it. (laughs) All right. So as an interviewer, Right. And as this this columnist for good old USA Today, there was one person that I prepared more than anyone else for. And this was Kobe Bryant. Mm -hmm. I studied in Richie, L.A., right? So are we Kobe fan? Yeah. Oh, Oh, no, no. no, already. Okay. It's okay. She she turned to a LeBron fan. Already? She said, ah. She said she's taking LeBron over Kobe. That's not good. Not, not a good, good way to start this. It's not a good way to I start this. Fit. I believe the fit. All right. Well, 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 I will say, no matter how we feel about Kobe, right, we could all agree that he's a phenomenal or was a phenomenal player, Hall of Fame basketball player, one of the greats. Maybe not the greatest, but one of the greats. But the reason why I prepared so much for this interview with him is because he, among probably anyone else that I had interviewed, was someone who I believe knew at an early age what his passion was, right? He knew that he was literally built for basketball, right? He started basketball at the age of three. His father was a professional player. His father had him watching tape early. As he grew, his physique was perfect for basketball. He was fast, right? The the DNA was there. This guy was built for it. Every indicator showed basketball was the path. And so I sometimes think to myself that he actually had it easy, much easier than many of us, because at an early age, he knew basketball was his destiny. So he knew that's where he would put his effort, put his time. But what I think about most of us that are not Kobe Bryant, I think how many of us have those same indicators? Because I know I didn't have those indicators. I'm still trying to figure out who who I want to be. You know what I mean? And so... What I want to talk about today is a challenge that I believe most of us face, and that is how do we identify our passion? And in particular, how do we then create our passion? Now, we're going to introduce you two fine specimens in a second, (laughs) but you two represent two people among, you know, the, the, the vast crew that I know who I believe represent creating your passion more than anyone. And so I really want to be a student on this, as well as all the listeners, to learn what I need to be doing in my life. No, but but to to really learn how do we go about creating our passion, all right? Now, if you could introduce yourself, here's how we do it. You introduce yourself, give us your name, where you are from, and what you are passionate about. 
Okay. Okay. Ladies first, yeah? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm always cool with that. Okay. Yeah. My name is Richie Holmes Grant. I'm from the D.C. area, although in D.C. people say the area. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, I was born in Pittsburgh, though. I don't know if you know that, Paul. But I don't. Yeah, I was I born in I thought it was Pittsburgh. L.A. No, no, no. I love L.A., but okay. uh, I'm from, I, I always say I'm from the D.C. area, actually from Maryland. And I am passionate about creating. No matter what I do in my life, no matter what businesses I start, I always look at myself as a creator. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Passion about creating. Creating. Okay. Yes. There we go. All right. My name is James Lopez, and I'm from New York City, born and raised in the Bronx, now residing in Staten Island, the Forgotten Borough. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say, where's Staten Island? The Forgotten <laughs> Borough, the, the one that you got to take the ferry to, and it smells funny sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm passionate about um, a couple of things. I guess the main one for me is proving people wrong by putting me putting myself out there. Hmm. Um, I like I like when people tell me I can't do something, and then I get very passionate about doing it. So if you tell me I can't meet somebody and I want to meet them, I'll find a way to meet them. Yes. Yeah. So I like breaking the stereotype. There you go. And I want to say, like, we we go back. We with all of us, like, we go back and back and back. Yeah. James is like James is really a matchmaker because he's <laughs> matched me with people that have changed my life and put money in my pocket. Yes. So thank you very so much. We like, yeah, <laughs> we like the money side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Richie, I just have beef with. I was mentioned this earlier. Yeah, major oh. gripe. Oh, right. Rich used to be a very good friend of mine until my wife stole her from me. Wow. So, yeah. So it's just, yeah. Yeah. I'm just upset. Yeah. I'm just upset. Uh, but no, thank you both for being here. You know, I want to add, I want to remix this. Okay. All right. So what I want to do is this book here, right? This book, where, where are we at camera? Right here. All right, here we go. This book right here completely changed my life. So good. They can't ignore you by Cal Newport. Uh, teacher, professor at Georgetown University. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I love this book and the reason why it really changed my life is because he was the first person to coin this phrase, at least in my mind, to coin the phrase of becoming a craftsman or craftswoman, right? This idea of developing a skill and then using that skill to then create your passion. And he believes that if you can create a skill and become best in the world at that skill, You'll create more autonomy for yourself, more impact, and more money than anything else that you could do. So in essence, by developing a skill, becoming a craftsman, craftswoman, you will then create your passion. So in this book, for those of you that don't like to read, <laughs> uh, and that's probably why you're watching or listening to this, because you don't or like listen. to read, <laughs> is uh, you know we're going to give you the, the shortened version of this book. So I'm going to pull the three biggest lessons that I learned from this book, and we're just going to chop it up and talk about it. Now, before we do that, can you break down what it is that you do right now, like as a career, what it is that you do, and then... What was it that you were doing 10 years ago? So we could see the contrast between the two. And then as a bonus, walk us through the, the succinct version of how you went from 10 years ago, Richie and James, to today, Richie and James, right? So what is it that you do today? But what were you doing 10 years ago? And then walk us up to how you got here, all the pivots. Okay. Wow. It's okay. a lot. 
Okay. Did you, 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 you still want women first? Yeah. No, 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 ladies no, first. No. You still want that? I'm gonna let you go first. All right, this time. All right. I'll take it. I'll take, I'll take it. I think I think this goes to to his question anyway. Like I'm used to taking the the arrows in my back now. Um, so now what I do now is uh, I focus on fatherhood. I have a community of fathers and I work with brands. So mainly I like to call myself a marketing agency for dads. Mm. Um, so I connect real dads to real businesses, meaning that while everybody's buying likes and stuff like that, I focus on the real fathers wow. and present them to a company. Before that, 10 years ago, I used to be a network administrator at Random House, which is a book publishing company. Um, and I just chase bad guys. Anybody that try to hack the system, I chase them down. So it was real technical, very siloed by myself. Now I actually have to be out there talking to people. Um, the way that it transitioned was that I quit my job to get more time with my family and to test myself. I, I looked at the corner suite and I saw that I just don't fit. Everybody there was German, <laughs> um, <laughs> definitely not my complexion. Um, I knew I wasn't gonna get the corner. So I, I quit to start a tech company and that's how I met Paul. I, it was called The Fat Startup. And I had to learn through The Fat Startup to be more open to people and actually putting myself out there for them. So when I, when I talked about earlier about taking the arrows, that's not something I set out to do. I had to learn that with the fat startup where it was like, I have to be the face of the company. I have to be in front of the audience, making myself look like a fool. And I had to learn how to do that. And that was very, very difficult for me at first. Now it's like second nature. Yeah. Yeah. So what about the pivot from fat startup to what you're doing now? So with the fat startup, um, we we were having fun with all the minorities in tech. Uh, I like to say that we, we, we started the whole diversity movement in tech. Um, a lot of people might not agree with it. I, I think we did. I think we used to combine hip hop and tech um, like nobody else. People used to blog about it. We yeah. actually did it. Um, we just couldn't figure out how to, how to make it bigger than us. It was, uh, we got stuck. And then when we got stuck, we figured out, you know what? I want to chase something else. Like now I built myself. It was like boot camp. Mm. It was like getting your MBA. When somebody tells you the best way for you to get your MBA is to actually start a company, I actually lived that. Like it was either go to school, pay 150 grand, 160 grand, get my MBA, or start a company for three years and lose out on 160 grand. And mm. it, that's, that's what happened. So I jumped on onto that. My whole purpose was I wanted to bring minorities to the fold when it came to entrepreneurship and tech. I just didn't know it was going to take us there. So after a while, after having great years, three great years of, of building for minorities in tech, we just decided it was time to move along. And I wanted to do something with fatherhood. So I started Fatherhood is Lit. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So Fatherhood is Lit uh, is how long? How now it's going to be in fully incorporated. This is going to be one full year of fully incorporated, two years of me playing around. There you go. So okay. the first year was me trying to figure it out. It was just a, when I was doing the fast startup, everybody knew me because I used to tell them um, presence over presence. Yes. Um, and that one day a guy that started Blavity. He actually came to me and he goes, man, James, like his name is John Jackson, by the way. Super cool dude. He told me, man, you're the CEO of Fatherhood is Lit. And I was like, man, you're right. Go buy that domain. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought that domain and I started infiltrating the same way I did with, um, with the fast startup. I started going where, where people didn't see enough of us. Okay. There I just you go. started making my mark. There you go. I remember that. I, I used to always hashtag everything with presence yeah. over presence. Yeah. yeah. Now we had to flip it because, yeah. you know, I, I tried to build that business with somebody else. We just couldn't do it. Um, he was extremely busy, super cool dude. It was time for me to just go on my own. Okay. There you go. That's a journey right there. A lot it was, of twists. It was tough to learn, to learn that, um, that instead of me being siloed, servicing my bosses, I needed to be out in the world servicing my people. Okay. So All it's right. a big difference. Servicing my people. There we go. Yeah. Running for president. That's Next right, year. Man. I'm in DC now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then, Miss Richie. Yeah. 
does. What do you do? <laughs> what don't I do? <laughs> I think that's the question. Uh, well, these days, I do still do a lot of things, but these days my favorite thing is my lifestyle web series called The Rich Life, helping other women, although I do have male followers. Um, thank you, guys. <laughs> uh, but helping other women live their richest lives. And I wanted to do this because I found that I was sharing so much of my life as a blogger and um, people wanted more than just reading blogs, right? They wanted to actually, I found that my lifestyle content, like when people saw me with my daughter and all of that, they wanted to see that. So I created this show based around, based on my life. Like, sure, I'm doing crafts, I'm doing DIY, tablescapes are my biggest, <laughs> biggest things these days. Um, Quick, James, what's a tablescape? Exactly, no exactly. No exactly. I, I know it's a table. <laughs> tablescapes, making beautiful tables, curating a beautiful collection of things to go on a table to create a vibe and okay. experience for the people sitting around the table. Right, so that is my, that. tablescaping is my happy place. Well, uh, yeah. But I didn't know that when I started the show. Um, but really it was just a way to um, express myself to share my life with people to inspire people I think above all else like that is what I do with my work is I inspire other people to maybe go after their dreams maybe be better at what they're already doing um, just you know be better in a different way uh, so that's my main thing I'm also writing content for other other brands um, DIY is a big thing for me I've always been a creator like I said, so that's one of the ways that I create. And um, I also have a hand in some of my other businesses, like 10 years ago, what I was doing, <laughs> good segue. Uh, I was uh, the head of an educational services company called Innovative Study Techniques, which is actually how I know Paul. Um, so we go back, gosh, maybe over a decade? A long time. I was long 10. Time. Yeah. I was 10 when we met. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was a business that I started um, because I saw a need for that in my own community. Um, my background is actually in law. I jokingly say I'm still barred to practice law in New York and Maryland, but only the fun stuff, which means very, very little. Uh, but I wanted to start this educational services company. So test prep, tutoring, college admissions. I always say to people now, kind of like um, the scandal, the USC scandal, but actually like my stuff was legit yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or is legit because I still have that business. But um when my daughter was born seven years ago, it just sort of changed everything for me. And I knew that I couldn't work the same way anymore. It was just impossible. And that was really hard for me as an entrepreneur. I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like I wrote this autobiography when I was nine years old. Mm. The Life and Times of Richie Holmes was the name of the book. <laughs> and um, I wanted to be an architect. And so I still look at myself as a builder, as a creator. But I've always wanted to have my own business. Uh, I come from... Riley makes five generations of entrepreneurs in our family. Wow. So okay. um, I knew that I would do something for myself. I never knew, though, like that it would be education first. So I always say that that was my first baby. And then um, Riley was my second baby. And when she was born, I just had to do things a different way because I needed to survive. Okay. <laughs> uh, I needed to be a good mom, but I also needed to have something for me as well. So that led me to my next business, which was actually mommy and baby accessories, Bambini wear. And that was literally in my basement, like no design background. I'm totally self-taught, but that business really took off. Um, within a year, we landed a partnership with Martha Stewart. So that was like my big claim to fame. And that was, I think the point when I knew I could do anything. Like yep. 
with no background, no nothing, just a dream. Like if I worked hard enough, I could do it. Yes. And so I think I've just continued along that trajectory of just like things that I'm interested in. I dive into them and then, you know, these great things happen. So that's essentially my story. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. No, I, I, I love that. And what I found to be fascinating is that you both had children and, and that was really this inflection point that created this thought of, okay, I need more space, mm-hmm. more control of my time almost, this yeah. more, more autonomy. Yeah. Would you say that it was, it was, it was, it was that? Yeah. 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 For the sure. sense of pride too. Sense of pride where it was like, looking back, I wanted my son to say, you know, my dad was cool because he chased bad guys on the internet, but I think he was cooler for getting people together on a stage to talk about things that our people don't really talk about. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think it was more right. about like that legacy. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what that made me think of is, you know, when I'm thinking about this book here, right? And James, you said it, you said that when you pivoted from, and I didn't even realize that the first job that you were doing, chasing uh, bad guys on the internet. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a techie. I have a master's in computer science. So yeah, I'm, I did yeah. not know that. I don't tell people that. Yeah. I've always been behind the scene. <laughs> uh, uh, you got to see my inbox. My inbox is, hey, come code for us. And it's like, man, you paying me that? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I had no idea that you had that in your background. Yeah. But now it makes even more sense considering like what you do now. Yeah. Uh, but that you left in particular, that decision was, right, you had a child, right? Yeah. So it's going back to, to family again. Now, the first lesson that I've pulled from this book was, uh, you know, uh, so good they can't ignore you, was this idea around don't do what you love, but learn to love what you do. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Now, the reason why that lesson comes up when I think about your story is because, so Cal Newport, the author of this book, was uh, at one point he was considering between different jobs, right? He could go off and work for Microsoft, he can go off and work for IBM, but those would have required him to move to California. And he was recently married. And so his wife and his family were here in the Washington DC area. And he chose instead to take a job at Georgetown University, not for the money, not for any, but he chose to do that for the proximity to his family. And I think about when I first decided to become a matchmaker, and everyone's like, like, why in the world are you gonna become a matchmaker? <laughs> and that in itself is crazy. Yeah. Like, is there such thing as a matchmaker? Yes. Do people really Modern do that? Modern day hitch, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, but yes, there are actual matchmakers yeah. right, in the and world. And they're needed. And they're needed. Yeah. Amen, there you go. Yeah. Um, but one of the key reasons for me taking that job or for me going into that position, and this is Mr. Ugel is my mentor, um, and I don't want to upset him, uh, but I was going crazy working for him. <laughs> I, I hey, was, that's real. I, I was li- literally going crazy. I had no control over my time. Mm-hmm. I was so stressed out. This is, and these are facts. Now we're going to go deep. I was so stressed out that Jill, my wife, we were trying to get pregnant, mm-hmm. and we couldn't. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it was the stress. Yeah. Seltzer, I was shooting blanks, man. <laughs> Hey, the stress will do that. <laughs> I was shooting blanks. And, 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 and it was one of those where I said, okay, this is a problem. This is a real problem now. <laughs> stress can mess you up. So I decided to enter this spot in particular to be able just to have more time. It's exactly what you guys are talking about. More control of my time, more autonomy, because autonomy is so important. Yeah. Do you, because you've already, you know, you guys have already endorsed this fact, but has that been a key component to the decisions that you've made as as you've pivoted along the way to be able to maintain control over your time? Oh yeah, for sure. Every day. Yeah. Every day. Every day. Every day. I 
I mean, as hard as I work, I will work harder for myself than anyone else to have control over my time. It's just, I mean, especially I think, and you'll probably agree with this, having a family. Um, And then also for me being a woman, it's just, it's different guys. You know, it's totally different um, because there's so much more that I um, just, that, comes with my role. No shade to you guys. Uh, but it's- <laughs> no, no, we're uh, accepting it. We're like- Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Because yeah, 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 you, you know, know and I know you're white. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I just, I knew that in order to be the kind of mother I wanted to be, that I want to be, I needed to have control over my time. And that was something that um, my husband and I talked about. Like, you know, I could be in corporate America doing X, Y, Z. You know, we'd have, you know, this number of zeros. But- what's going to make our family the happiest, what's going to help really raise the kind of child we want um, to go off and, and just be great. And that was really me having control over my time. And um, I, I don't do things now because I don't do more, I should say, because I need that control. I can't lose that um, because that's at my core, what I'm what I'm working for, having that control, having that ability to do things I really want to do or not want to do, you know? Yeah. 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 I use I use my kids as an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like somebody comes to me and tells me, hey, we want you to do this event for us. We'll pay you X amount of dollars. If it doesn't make sense with the money, I'll just throw them out there and be like, no, I, I gotta hang out with my kids today. Like right. I, I have to do something with them. I have something planned. Um usually people just back off after that. So I use my kids as an excuse all the time. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're my that, that's my time management software. It's <laughs> my kids. The best, the most efficient. Yeah, and yeah. I sign up for things to do with them where it's like I, I need to stay sane. Right? right. So you were saying like you were you were getting driven crazy, right? So it's the same thing with, with parenting where where you quit your job to start a business. You say, hey, I want extra time. What you realize is that you just put yourself in a in a bind because you really don't have that extra time the yeah. first couple of years. Right. But by doing things with them, it kept me sane by saying, I'm gonna work more than 40 hours a week for myself. But then Saturday, I'm going to go to basketball practice with my son. Right. Mm-hmm. So right. now I got two hours with just with him. That's going to keep me sane. Yeah. yeah. But see, yeah. all right, you know that now because yeah. you have, you both have children, right? Mm-hmm. I have, I have a child, two. two. Oh my god. <laughs> Ooh, don't get yourself. That's terrible. Know, right? That's so terrible. Trouble. You know they're going to be listening like, all right, Dad, who, right. who did you forget? <laughs> who did you forget? We, we I left always them forget in their names too. I'm like, uh, what's your name? Oh, Liam. Uh, King. Okay, all right. Oh, go. I do that all the time. I got three J's, so it's all messed up. Yeah. But see, we have children, so we. Yeah. We understand this, mm-hmm. but what about someone like Seltrick here, mm-hmm. who doesn't have a child, right? That that he knows about, yeah. <laughs> uh, but really, because so how, how is how is he able, or, or or what should he be doing to better position himself in chasing, or should I say not chasing, but creating that passion? Given the fact that he he doesn't have a child, right? So he doesn't have that drive or or that yeah. excuse to block mm-hmm. off the two hours on a Saturday. Yeah, he got to choose a family member that means the world to him. Like that's really it. Like who who do you really want to do this for? Like the money's cool, the money's great. We all want the money, but if you don't have somebody to share it with, it's worthless, right? So it's the same thing with a relationship. Even if you don't have kids, you got to say, all right, I want to do this so I could spend time with my wife or my husband, because you don't want your relationship to take a hit. So I think that's a a key for somebody, especially somebody that's younger that has no kids. They have to think about what is it that's important because the money's cool, but you could get that anywhere. You know, the things you get from your family, your kids, your wife, your husband can't just buy that. It just doesn't work. But does it does it have to be a person, though? I don't think so. Is it? No, I don't think. No, I I totally I agree agree with you. It doesn't have to be a person. Okay, you just have to have a mission. Yeah, a mission. I think. 
putting your happiness at a premium is so important, yeah. I think, more so now than ever, because every day we're just bombarded by stuff, you know, things and uh, consumption. And I think you have to kind of step out of the rat race and decide what really makes you happy, because there's so many people who are miserable. Yeah. I mean, they may have a lot of money. And if that's what you want, then, you know, that's what you go after. But that at the end of the day, like we all know, like money, you know, yeah. it really can't make you happy. Right. And then life is so fragile, too. I mean, God forbid you step outside today and that's the last day of your life. In those last seconds, what do you want to look back and say you did? That you worked all the time at a job you hated? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. for what? Yeah. You know, so yeah. I, I think that that's what I would share with people, regardless of who's in your life or who's not in your life. What is it that really, really makes you happy? And for some people, it is working themselves, you know, to yeah. death. And OK, that's fine. That's you. But just taking that time to figure out what it is uh, that really drives you, I think, is so is so important. And, and there's so many people who don't do that. Right. And it's so, hard. It's hard too, right? Because yeah, it's like it when you start chasing your passions, you know, you put money on the line, right? Yeah. And it's like you have to be really realistic with yourself where it's like, am I cool giving up the new sneakers every month? Am mm -hmm. I cool not driving a Benz? Mm -hmm. What are some of the arguments I might have with my in-laws? Like, that's what I think. Like, whenever I feel down, I think about the arguments I have with my in-laws and my responses to them. Uh -huh. Where it's like, man, I'm happy. You're not. As brutal as it sounds, <laughs> wow. it's the truth. Wow. Keep you it know, real. It's, it's, what you is gotta be real with yourself. Play this back to <laughs> hey, listen, listen. I did, I did, I did. Um, I did. Good morning, America, and we talked about dad shaming. And trust me, I went in on my mother-in-law and father-in-law, really, and they cut it out. So I have no shame. You, like she said, you have to find what makes you happy, right? Yeah. So to me, I was happy letting them know that the way you guys are thinking of me, it's wrong. But how are they yeah. thinking of, of you? Um, what are you teaching your kids? Like. You're a man, you you running around the world doing all of these business deals, but you could be making 200, 300 grand in tech. What are you teaching them? And mm. it's like, well, I'm teaching them how to be independent. Right. I'm teaching them how to be happy. I'm teaching yeah. them that the education you got in school doesn't have to be used at a nine to five. You could do that. Mm -hmm. But if you really want to chase your passion and your dreams, go right ahead and do it. It's okay wow. to do so. Mm -hmm. Wow. To them, they're an older generation. That doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah, it's all it's all about the money. I, I, I will never forget when I decided to become a matchmaker, my entire family was like, what the hell are you doing? Like my father was like, what, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? And I even remember saying, oh, gosh, guess what? I, you know, uh, I'm going to be in essence. I don't care. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God, I got to deal with Oprah. I don't care. What are you like? Yeah. The whole thing, even to this day, my father's still like, what do you do? <laughs> Yeah. What is it that you do? And, and, that, and that's huge, though, because, you you know, the things that you're saying, like, I did Oprah, I did Essence. These are things that if you work a nine to five, you might never get. That doesn't mean you want it. Right. But if that's mm -hmm. the things you want, you might not get it at a nine to five yeah. because your boss might take the credit for all of that. So these are things that they might not be worth um, money, might not be a monetary value to, to it. Yeah. But your, your soul is fulfilled. Yeah. Where it's like, man, I got to do this. Yeah. Like, I got to sit on stage with Paul. You know, I got to sit on stage with somebody else. This mm -hmm. is huge. I was in the newspaper. Which one of your kids are doing that if they're working a nine to five? It's not that easy. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for real, how many people can say they had a show on Oprah's Network? Yeah, or I mean, in the magazine or in a newspaper. Yeah. That's, that's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. You that can't put a you price did on something that. right. Yeah. But but then to what James's, you know, uh, mother-in-law and father-in-law <laughs> are saying is that, but that's not putting money on the table though. But, but, right? that, but that's the thing. People got to, when it, they're going to come at you. People are going to come at you. 
with us, it was like, what the what money don't you, what money is it that you guys want to see? Mm-hmm. Because we live in New York City, one of the most expensive places in the world, and we own multiple properties with only one income. We have a nice little brokerage account. Yeah. Then what is it that really makes you happy then? Right. Because obviously what we're doing isn't making you happy, but we got more than what you had at your age. Mm-hmm. So what's up? Yeah, I don't know. You're confusing me. I don't know. We need to call them up right now. Can we call them up? Get them on. No? You're not? Uh, I'm staying away from her for a while. <laughs> but, but actually, so, so, let, let, let me then go to the second lesson because this may compete with what you guys are telling me right now. Okay. okay? All right. So the second lesson that I pulled from the book is become a craftsman to collect the skills you need. Right. So the idea with this is that Cal is saying what we need to do is not focus on our passions, the things that light us up, but instead just do things. And as we do things, we'll develop skills. Once we identify certain skills, become the best in the world at those skills. And as we become better and better and better at those skills, we'll then be able to create the things that we're passionate about. So this is directly opposite to what you often hear, and that is identify the things that you love Mm -hmm. and then just go do that. So how do you feel about this this lesson that Cal's putting forth here? It doesn't matter what you love, go out and do things, develop skills, become best in the world at those skills, and then your passion will be formed around that. Yeah. Um, I I, I think he... I think it's it's a yes or no. I mean, yes and no. Okay. Meaning that um like with me with the fat startup, I was passionate about entrepreneurship and tech. I wasn't passionate about standing in front of a crowd of 500 people and speaking. So the passion let allowed me to actually sit on a stage with 3-400 minorities in front of me and still put on for them. Yeah. But then I had to work on my craft of actually being a public speaker. So it's not that I, I chased public speaking first and then turned that into a passion. My passion was just to put on for my people. It's just that for me to put on for my people, I had to do public speaking. Yeah. I had to do interviews. I had to do these things that I never wanted to do and never thought about doing it. Mm-hmm. Now it's second nature. Okay. But it happened because I had to do it. Okay. But 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 when you what was the passion when you left the the corporate job? Right? What what was so what drove you to that was obviously at your family. Yeah. Right. But what drove you to the fat startup? Was that you providing for your community? I was bored. I was you, bored. It was just, okay. I was bored. I was looking at all of these things like TechCrunch and people like that. And they were offering um, meetups and conferences for like $3,000. And I'm looking at it as me, a young kid from the Bronx, going to a CUNY school. I can't afford $3,000 for a conference, for a two-day conference. Yeah. What can I do to bring the same education to my people? Okay. Now, quitting was more about they're not utilizing me the way I would like. So everybody complains. Everybody says, I hate my job, hate what I do. They don't really test me. They don't push me, but they don't quit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So my thing was, I'm not going to complain about it and stay here. I saw way too many people at my job that was complaining every single day, but they stayed there every single day. Right. It was like, I'm out of here. So so you you identified a problem, like all good entrepreneurs, right? A problem. You had developed a solution for that problem. But would you say that you were extremely passionate about that no i was extremely passionate about starting a business there you go i just didn't know what business it would have been okay 
And then that led me to now I got to perfect my skills because there's things about business that I never knew existed. There you go. And I don't want to be the face, but now I got to be the face. Now you started doing the things that were hard, public yeah. speaking, better uh, communication, yeah. networking, et cetera. So you're almost doing what, what Cal's saying here. Yeah, I did, you, I did. That's what I'm saying you, is you yes or it, yeah. no. Because okay. the passion was I wanted to fulfill, I wanted to give this education to people. Then from his part is the now I have to become a public speaker. Right. And I have to learn how to interview people. I know how to I have to learn how to sit there and talk to somebody and not look at them like, damn, you're boring me. You know? <laughs> and I had to also learn how to say, I want to keep it real, but not kill their brand either. Right. Right. So it was th those are the things that I never knew. I, I, I to this day I don't like being in front of people. I still have to do it. Yeah. Because it's up to me to do so. Yeah. And you've developed the skill. I developed it. the skill. And, and you're, people you're really me good. You're really people good tell at me it. I'm yeah. good. I still say no way. Yeah. Like I still got a lot to learn. Like there's still times that you're going to catch me on stage with my hands shaking. After those 10, 15 seconds, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. But those 10, 15 seconds is like, wow, like somebody's trying to kill me right now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, this is hard. Because <laughs> yeah. last, I was like, man, James is on something. Look, he, no, Joe. No, no. I but, had to be on something. No, no. <laughs> but no, but, but, but th th so this is interesting. So, so you subscribe to what Cal is saying here. Yeah. What, what do you think, Richie? When you look back at your experiences, do you mm -hmm. subscribe to what he's saying? I do. I do. It's so funny because I was sitting there listening to your story and I feel like so much of it mirrors my own. I don't know if you did this on purpose. Or it's just something that we all have innately. I mean, my passion was um, to help people, right? That's why I started my first business. And also, of course, to have my own business. I was helping other people start their own businesses. And I knew I didn't want to do that as a business. Yeah. I wanted to start my own business. I didn't know what it was until um, I came up with the idea of SAT prep. Um, but it honestly, it could have been any business right. as long as I was helping people. And then, you know, I, every business that I've started, I've known nothing about, like, it's not like I went to school for any of the things that I'm doing now. <laughs> Even you now, have you a know, tablescaping whole, degree? Yes. No, I don't. No, right. And I think that's that's been the fun part for me, the challenging part. Yeah. But I see the transferable skills from each business, starting with the service uh, services business and then a products-based business. Very different, but there's things that are transferable across businesses. And then with my latest venture, you know, being on camera, that's something that I used to dread. And that's, I was thinking about yeah. myself when you were talking, <laughs> yeah, you know, scary, right? yeah. it's, it's, you know and, and it's still, you know, scary, but I knew that it was something that I had to do in this latest venture. And, uh, you know, I've learned a whole lot. I didn't even know where the record button was on my camera when I first started. Wow. And now I'm a producer, you know, but it's like, I look back at the things that I've done since I've uh, my first business, I was 26, I'm mm -hmm. 42 now. And I, I look back at all the things that I've learned and I've been able to take everything to each business. Yes. And I think that's, that's what he's talking about in, in the book, you know, don't focus on the passion because what happens the day you are not that into what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. And I'll tell you, one of my businesses, uh, it's still going. Um, my, at ISD, my educational services business, I'm really great at what I do. Uh, it's a great business, but that passion is not there like it was when I started it. Um, it still brings an in income though, so I'm not dropping it, okay? <laughs> uh, but you know, you got to think about that. What yeah. happens when you're not as passionate? How can you use 
those skills to create something new. Yes. And yeah. evolve. See, this yeah. is a major point. And I think this is the antithesis of what we're often told, especially mm -hmm. as entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. whole notion of, okay, figure out the thing that you love the most and mm -hmm. then go do that. Well, no, what we're saying here is just go do something. Yeah. yeah. Like just do it. And the process, the journey of doing it will teach you everything that you need to know. It's yeah. all about action. Yeah. yeah. All about action. When, like, like she said, you, you're not taught these things in school. Like, no. <laughs> you don't have the degrees in these things. You just got to do it. And that was right. the same thing for us where it was like, even now with the fatherhood thing, there's no, there's not that many black dads or Hispanic dads out there on a big platform. So I got to do it. Yeah. There yeah. you go. There you go. You're so compelled to do it. it. Yeah. So, so then how do you know, or do you know if what you're doing now is your passion? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I guess it goes back to what she was saying earlier, where it's like, you just want to help people. And I think by you just wanting to help people, every business that you do, that you do, you'll have that passion part to it mm -hmm. because you're trying to figure out how do you turn a, a profit, but also how do I educate or help my people while doing so? I don't, I don't want to be somebody that just sells you Coca-Cola. Right. And mm -hmm. I, I know you love the taste. Go ahead, have it. No, I want you to have a connection. So I think when you care about them, that's when you see that, you know, this is my passion now because I actually care. Because you can, okay. Instead of me trying to use tactics to get to the people, I'm actually using myself. Interesting, mm -hmm. interesting. So so almost your your barometer is if you care about, like to break this down in business terms, like if you care about your avatar. Yeah. Once you care about your avatar, that's how you know that's something you're passionate about. Yeah. That's interesting. I care about yeah. it, man. Let me think so, about that for a second. You know, I, I care. Like I sit, I sit in offices with people where, Fatherhood groups are led by women. A lot of the fatherhood groups mm -hmm. in the United States are led by women. People don't know that. Wow. It's like 80% of them are led by women, not men. I love being in there telling them, nah, I'm a man. I'm doing this. Right. Yeah. Like I'm passionate right. about my people. I want to put on for them. And I could speak to them because I'm a man just like them. Right. Mm -hmm. Much much respect. Kudos to you guys for doing this. But now, you know, not step aside, but here I am. Right. Now I'm going to help out. Right. Mm -hmm. is, now, is, is, is part of uh, coming up to that place of caring and almost that place of empowerment based on being confident in the skills that you've acquired throughout the career. And, and where I'm going with that is, you know, I remember matchmaking too. For matchmaking, yeah, man. I, man, where do you go to a matchmaking school? Like, <laughs> yeah. how do you learn to be a matchmaker? Watch Hitch. That's her like, name, Patty, Patty Singer, right? <laughs> yeah, like, what, what you, I remember my biggest qualification I used to say is, I've dated a lot of women. <laughs> like, I was like, that is my thing. I, st I started, by the way, Selchik, how old were you when you had your first girlfriend? Let me just survey the room real quick. How old? 16, 17. Okay, Richie. Okay, for, define the term. Yeah, like, yeah. what exactly does that mean? That, like, that, that, that means you're going you were, out on dates. You were going, like you, were, you, were, you had dates. Okay. You had dates. Okay. And there was kissing going on. Okay, How so then that you? was probably about 16. 16, same yeah. as Seltzer. What do you think? Same yeah. thing, 15, 16. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. I was six. <laughs> I was oh, man, six. Started early. I was six. <laughs> I was six. Straight up, I was taking girls out on dates at six. What? Yes. Wait, is it a playground? No, 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 no. Swing? Gotcha. Let me break this down. I would date the girls in my kindergarten class. And our date was I would have them come over to my a little uh, cot and we take a nap together. Oh, I love and it. I, I love would it. always save a cookie and I would slide him a cookie. I'm like, I got a cookie for you, right? <laughs> this is what I used to do. I was dating at six. Yeah. So, I, so I always tell everybody, I, like 
I'm a veteran in this thing. Yeah. I know what I'm talking about. So by the time yeah. I slung, I was like, I've got decades of experience <laughs> in this thing. But how do you, but, but, yeah, but, but how do you, like, how do you really know? And I remember when I launched, it was, all right, let me just try everything I could. Yeah. Then let me begin to identify those areas that I thought I was good or better at, right? Which was along the lines of the date coaching, right? The teaching element of it. Mm -hmm. Let me attempt to perfect the teaching element of it because I enjoy it. Yeah. I care about the end result. So when, yeah. when you're saying, James, like you have to care about the, the avatar, I, I yeah. genuinely did. Mm -hmm. And as I started to develop that, I realized that this was a skill set that I was building. And not only was this a skill set that I was building is I felt like I was better than my competitors in the industry at doing that, which gave me more confidence and forced me to do more of it. And that was like this, this, you know, this like machine that kept propelling itself to the point where I felt like, wow, I feel like I'm one of the best in my industry doing this particular thing. Mm -hmm. And then I thought to myself, oh my God, like, you know, 10, 15 years into doing it, this is something that I'm passionate about, but I didn't know until the end. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that if I would have had indicators or would have known earlier on, that's how you develop your passion, mm -hmm. then I think I would have been more, you know, maybe more energized in doing it. But I think that what we're often told is you should know your passion immediately. You should already have the skills for your passion. And that's how you, you know, that's, that's how you know or you don't know. And, 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 and most of us are running around here confused, not knowing well, well, is, is, is like, like, actually, let me even ask this. What is passion? Like, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? I think for me, uh, and I've heard other people say this too. It's like, what are you thinking about when you're in the shower? Like, well, is it, is it, are you thinking about, you know, the TV show you watched last night? Are you thinking about, you know, what you'll have for lunch later on today? For me, I'm thinking about my work. You know, and it's it's a good thing. It makes me actually happy. I think about um, you know what I'm creating next, or you know the next tablescape. Like that is my. You're thinking happy. about tablescapes I, in the I, shower. I do, I do. Oh my I do. god, really? I do, I do. I met with your wife Jill earlier today, and we were talking about tablescapes. So I was thinking, okay, so what 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 are we what are we gonna go, where are we gonna go with this? That makes me happy for for my husband. He says the barometer is. He's like, I don't have anything in my life that would keep me up at two o'clock in the morning, which is like what I'm doing because sometimes that's the only time I have after I've done all my mommy duties. Um, it's not something I really like doing, but um, but if I need to get something done, I'm up working on it. And so I think for me, that's what I associate, you know, passion. What are the things in my life that will keep me up at night and actually want to be up, yeah. you know, or that I'm thinking about in the shower, you know, and really excited about doing. Uh, and those weren't things that I, like I said, that I went to school for. Right. But I will say that um, there are things that I found other people really look at when it comes to what I'm doing. So um, people always say, oh, you inspired me when you did this or when you did that. And a lot of times I have no idea that that's having that effect on someone else. But when I hear things like that, that drives me because then there's a match between what I enjoy and what um, people who are watching me are really getting from my work. Right. So I would say that connection has been really critical in terms of what I move forward. Okay. Right. So, okay. Um, okay. So, yeah, that's kind of okay. like how it's worked. All right. So, yeah. so now, so many questions from that, but 
first off is what do you do if you're your husband, right? And so you're listening to this and you say, there's nothing that I think about in the shower. Yeah. And there's nothing that I would stay that's up a tough to one. 2 a.m. It is. That's a tough one because I is. think that's that's like you're passionate, right? But also you want your business to survive and work. So you're looking for other ways to increase your business, mm-hmm. right? So like for me, it's like passion is when I walk by an event space and I look inside and I say, oh, this will be perfect for the dads and their kids. <laughs> right. And my wife is like, no, like we're not thinking about that. We're in Disney. We're hanging out. And it's like, no, I need to bring the dads here. I need to find that connection in Disney and bring the dads here. Yeah. That's passion to me where it's like you walk something, you say, that's me right there. I could do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. Health. So, but it's hard because it, there are a lot of sleepless nights where, because you're passionate about it, you want your business to survive. So now when you're taking a shower, you're thinking, how am I going to make a dollar with the <laughs> next <laughs> initiative? But, but, but you know? what if you're listening and there's nothing, you, yeah. you know, you yeah. know, let's, let's say you're listening. Cause, yeah. cause I know for a fact, there's someone listening right now yeah. who's yeah. in a job mm-hmm. that they hate. Yeah. They see everybody out on Instagram with all these great photos of traveling the world because of their great jobs, right? They're, they're lifestyle entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. And they say, you know, it would be really cool to do something that I'm passionate about. But when I'm in the shower, I just, I, I take a shower. <laughs> but, that, right? but, that, but that's because they haven't started anything. Well, but I think yeah. it's, it's, it's the question of, well, what do you want to start? Pardon the interruption, just want to tell you about something that my wife and I have just launched and we are very, very excited about. It's called BWP Connect. Now, you may already know, but if you don't know about it, let me put you on, okay? It's a very safe place for those of us who value legacy, culture, and financial freedom through entrepreneurship to all come together and connect. If you are interested in more information about BWP Connect, simply go to paulcbrunson.com backslash B-W-P-C-O-N-N-E-C-T. That's paulcbrunson.com backslash B-W-P connect. And now let's get back to the show. People say this, and I really think that it's true. What would you do if money was not even, what would you do for free and still be happy? And it sounds very basic, but... At the core of it all, that is something that makes you happy. That is something that brings you joy. And I, in my own life, when I have really gone deep with those things, the money has come Mm -hmm. because I've done a phenomenal job because I'm happy and people are, are, you know, are feeding off that energy. So, you know, what I tell my husband is we need to start there. You know, he's a corporate guy. So, you know, that's what he does. But in terms of passion, you know, what if we didn't ta- have to talk about money? Right. You but know? is this legitimately anything? Like I remember, uh, you know, our boy Gary Vaynerchuk, uh-huh. right? In uh, his first book was what? Crush It. Yep, Crush right? It. And I remember, actually, I remember right here at American University was the first time he ever spoke publicly. And oh. for some reason, and I was there. there. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's like, <laughs> the, first, the first time he had ever spoken publicly on his book, Crush It, it just Easy. so happened that I was at American University. I sat in the front row. And I remember this dude from Jersey cursing. I was like, I like this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I remember him saying something I will never forget, and that is, Pick anything, right? Mm-hmm. Pick anything and go do that. And his yeah. example was you could be a Smurf. You could love Smurfs. Mm-hmm. Just go do something on Smurfs. So do you believe, A, I mean, do you believe that? Do you believe yeah. you could pick literally anything? Yes. Anything. Yes. And just go do that? Yes. Because the thing is your love, like if you love the NBA, 
you'll find something either a business or a job that you could do that always pertains to the MBA. Mm-hmm. So right. it's the same thing when you start a company. Like for me, it was like, do it. like you mentioned earlier, if you don't get paid to do it, will you do it? Mm-hmm. I'm going to all of these events for kids regardless, mm-hmm. whether I get paid or not. It was just now trying to figure out, all right, while I'm here, how do I turn this into some money now? Because right. I'm here already and I'm bringing people. Yeah. Right. So it was just me doing it. I was just going to the events because I wanted to have fun. I was living through my kids. Yeah. Now okay. I had to flip the script and say, all right, I'm here. How do I make a dollar from here though? For like that, I could continue to do it. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that's what you'll spend your time on yeah. once you can identify that. And you know, there's one huge example in my life. You said, just do anything. You are that guy. Like, seriously, you are that guy. <laughs> I, I tell people all the time. I was like, now, listen, I was one of your friends who got that initial email and I was like, Oh, what the matchmaker. Yes, oh, yeah. the matchmaker. See, look, I, this I is the like, reaction. Listen, this is the reaction. Listen, I so got that email and I was like, oh my gosh, this is a joke. And I think I think I might have even pulled it up. No, no, no. You know who? I, I ran into one of our former colleagues and he was like, oh, did you get Paul's email? And I was like, yeah. And we were like, what the hell is he thinking? <laughs> and then there's this. And so what I tell people, I like, I talk about this in actual talks about entrepreneurship is I will never knock anybody else's hustle again, because here's an example (laughs) of someone who built this entire career from literally nothing. I mean, you picked something and you took it and you ran with it. And all these other things happened as a result of that, because you've got the transferable skills because I'm assuming you enjoy what you do. And so I, I believe that that can happen. Really, yeah. I do. Like, you are my example. Wow. I, I agree with that. And I've done things in my career because of you. Wow. Seriously. Because I'm like, if Paul can do it, like anytime he tells me something, like I do it. Because, <laughs> <laughs> seriously. But like, did, did that happen immediately or was it over time of you doing things that then you say, you know what, I, I could actually try whatever. And, and even if I fail, I'm going to try it. It was... Yeah, it, it happened over time, but yeah. I will say, because we used to do the same work. And yeah. for a while, I was like really frustrated. I was like, oh my God, you know, I turned on the TV and there there, there all would be on TV. And network. then you know what? I, 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 I stopped thinking like, you know, why not me? And I'm like, wait a minute, that could be me too. I'm yeah. like, he's just out there living his best life. Like he chose something. I, I think right? that's huge. And just do it. Yeah, and just do oh, it. And and once, believe it or not, once I started doing that, just choosing something, because like I told you, I haven't technically been qualified for any of the great things that I've done. Things started happening, yeah. you know. And you know, I go all in, and uh, you know, I I love what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. And you yeah. can't learn until you actually try. Right, right. you, you got to try yeah. it. Yeah. And then the thing is, like, once you get that in your head. You try and you fail and you're like, what? I'll, I'll still do this again. Let me right. do this again and let me fix this. Yeah. Yeah. Because now in your head, you're saying, all right, I messed up, but I know I could fix this because I have the skill set in my mind mm-hmm. where right. I believe in myself. Right. You know, like I knew I believed in myself when I, I took my friend to one an event with um with Ben Horowitz and, you know, multi-billionaire in tech, big shot guy. And my friend comes to me and we're standing with a whole group of people and he goes, man, I knew James forever. This kid only did everything if he had it planned. I'm so proud of him because he jumped off the cliff with no plan and he's making it happen. And that day was like validation for me where it was like, yo, you're right. Like everything I did was with a plan. This is the first time I'm doing without a plan and I'm happy as hell. Yeah. And this is working. Yeah. 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 This this is really, I mean, this is insightful. This is like, in that example, it's interesting. That hit me in that example. And I was thinking when you were just talking about that, Rich, I was like, damn, I really have just been like just doing stuff, you know? So walk Walk us through a masterclass on this. Let's say that there's someone listening right now who right now 
she doesn't feel like she's passionate about much of anything, but she kind of likes makeup, mm -hmm. right? Kind of likes makeup. She's working full-time job, not happy in the full-time job, but kind of likes makeup. What should her next step be in pursuing that? What does she want to do in makeup? Like if it's, uh, yeah. she want to do like tutorials, then she should just put on a camera and get to work. All like right. it's all about, it's all about that first step. Like we, we psych ourselves out where we come in and we say, and, and this is, this goes for even proven entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Because when I, when I folded the fast startup, it still took me another year and a half to start another business. And it was simply because I thought I could just do it. Okay. It was like, man, I got the skill set. I'll just start it. No, nah, that's not how it works. By me thinking like that, I never started. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing with her. It's like you have to start something because okay. you find your way. You you might turn on the camera and realize that, no, nah, this is not for me. But you might be a good writer. Right. So you might start writing about it. So let's uh -huh. let's say she turns on the camera yeah. and she starts doing tutorials. All right. So then how do, long does she continue to do tutorials until she realizes, hey, this is a thing that's going to work for me or this is not a thing? Like how long does she keep going down that? That, that rabbit hole. That's tough. You can't just quit after a week. Well, and then what are your goals? Yeah. Okay. Right? So yeah. for me, gosh, I feel like this is like Paul Day. <laughs> Everybody's better with Paul. That's right. That's right. There but, we go. But, that's a perfect example. Right? Yeah. That's a perfect example anyway. Go but at it. <laughs> when I first started my YouTube channel, Paul said to me, he was one of the people who said, you know, you should do video. And one thing I've learned is, like I said, when Paul says stuff, you got to listen, right? Yeah. So- my goal was never to be a YouTube sensation. What he said was figure out what your goals are and go after those. And that's exactly what I did. I mean, I don't even care if like I have a hundred thousand views or a hundred million views. If I've hit those goals and they're not necessarily tied to numbers, right? Cause they aren't. Um, but I had certain benchmarks and those re me, uh, meeting those benchmarks let me know, okay, I'm on the right track, okay. right? Okay. And they're not necessarily, you know, tied to money or tied to numbers, but, uh, you know, opportunities, gigs outside of YouTube. Like that was my thing. I wanted to leverage my content to other bigger things outside of YouTube. And I think that whatever you're doing, whether it's turning on the camera or, um, you know, writing blog posts, whatever she's doing, right? What are your goals, and if you've met those, then you make bigger goals. There you go. Right? Okay. And you just, you just keep going. There right? you go. Yeah, uh, but you got to have those goals in the beginning. There you go. So so what she perfect. should do right now is she should know, okay, I'm going to turn the camera on. Yeah. But in addition, I need to set some goals for myself. Yeah. yeah. Set, set, set yourself up. And measure. How many episodes do you want to complete? Okay. Mm -hmm. without, without money, without the views. Right. How many episodes do you really want to complete before you decide this is the thing to do or not? Right. With me, it was simple. If I'm going to start in June, I'm going to go all the way to December. Mm -hmm. How many episodes I knock out from here to December, that's it. Right. Then I decide whether I'm going to go forward or not. By week three, it was like, oh, I'm going to go forward. Mm -hmm. But I had that goal of, you know, I'm going to finish the year. Right. Because but, I know most people won't finish the year. But yeah. were you using the same kind of approach that Richie was? And that is, is okay, by week three, you had some type of indicator of forward progress. Yeah. Like an opportunity came your way, speaking engagement. Um, my interview. My my goal was to get better. Okay. So it was like the first episode I did was by myself. Second episode was with Paul. We had sound issues. It was all right. Every other episode, I'm gonna get better and better. Mm -hmm. It was more for to satisfy myself. Got it, it wasn't about the money. It wasn't about who was watching. It was man. I know I could do this. So let me just do it for the time being because I I still go back to it. A lot of people don't make it past year one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. plan to make it past year one. If you don't plan to make it past year one, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you a real <laughs> money or not. 
Yeah. What makes you happy during that year? Right. Right. No, it's 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 true. I'll give you a really simple example. Um, When I first started, I now I analogized my situation to um, being a preacher. (laughs) My husband comes from the preaching family. And so we talked about my viewers as my congregation. Okay. Right. And he was like, you know, talk to your congregation, your 17 followers, just like you would 17,000. Right. And every week, that's what I focused on was giving my best to my congregation, no matter how big or small it was like they got my best. And the way I knew I should keep going was um, their responses. Even if one person just wrote, you know what, I was really inspired by that. That kept me going. Yes. You know, so find that one thing. Maybe it's somebody who's never been confident about makeup. And you know what, that one tip let me know I can do my own makeup. You yes. know, with something yeah. like that. Yes. Really, really simple, but it will keep you going. It will. It's it will. True. Yeah. And Very this, true. This, this, these, I mean, there's even great economics around this. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, uh, Kevin Kelly's 1000 True Fans, this whole notion of, you know, you only need a small number of super fans mm-hmm. yeah. or yeah. even the podcasting game. Now, now they're called super listeners. You don't have to have, you know, massive downloads. You need to have a small select number of people mm-hmm. who really buy into what you do. And that's all you need to become profitable. So there's even, I mean, this is this is great. Yeah, I love this, but there's a problem. Uh-oh. What's the problem? Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. You know what the problem is? No red stripe. The pro- Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the no red stripe. There's always a problem. All right. Here's 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 what I consider to be per- perhaps the problem. Right. Okay. So the number three lesson that I pulled from this good old book, so good they can't ignore you, is this: consider saying no to a raise in order to keep your control. So what he's saying here is that what's going to happen is that after you're that uh, young lady, you decide to do the makeup tutorials, you get out there, right? You you, you have your indicators of Mm -hmm. how I know this is successful, I'm getting speaking opportunities, et cetera. As you build up skill and as you become better at what you do, you're going to inevitably get more opportunities. And as you get more opportunities, most of us say yes to those opportunities, and then we lose our control in our autonomy. So he's saying here, you should be saying no a lot more often. And by saying no, you actually create more opportunity. And I have an example around this. I agree. I agree big time. I have an example, and I want to drop a name on this. And I don't think I've ever dropped the name, Uh but I want to drop a name on this. All right. Bring it on. Here we go. All right. Michael Jackson. No, I'm telling you. That's, that's a, you can't bring that's a whole other like that, yeah. story. Maybe messing with Mr. No. Jackson here. All right. 2015. Mm-hmm. By this time, uh, we had run our matchmaking agency for, you know, let's say eight years. And what I realized is that there was some interest coming in to not just be clients, but interest to do higher level partnerships. Then I got the message that literally changed my thinking forever. And that was a message, I'm gonna drop the name, from the Steve Harvey Uh Group, Mm. 2015. Now, Steve Harvey Group had reached out, why? There was interest. Well, I can feel like I can hear a pin drop right now. Yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a big name you're talking about here. Listen, we we got you tied up with a whole bunch of big names. You yeah. just do another one. Yeah, right. just do like, another come one. On, Paul, like you're making me feel like we can't do it here. Oh, I'm trying to inspire right now. Look. Yeah. So so now got an email. You know what the email said? The email was, 
we'd love to have a conversation with you about potentially acquiring your matchmaking agency. So in 2015, what was happening is, is he had just done a deal. Steve Harvey had just done a deal with Match Group. So he had a great online presence in the dating world. Now he was looking for an offline presence. So we had this ongoing dialogue. It probably was over three to four months of talking about a potential acquisition. And I thought about this and I said, oh my God, to be acquired from the Steve Harvey Group, the money looks good. The, 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 the boost in platform, the boost of opportunity, this is all amazing. But in essence, saying yes to this acquisition would mean one thing. I now work for someone else. Mm -hmm. This was the number one reason why I decided to enter the matchmaking space, because I wanted to have that autonomy in, in, in time. Mm -hmm. So what happened in that exchange is I began to understand the value of my operation the value of my business, the value of my brand. That was the first time that I associated dollars with my brand. And then I used that as my inspiration to then sell my matchmaking agency to someone else. So therefore I could keep my autonomy. It was a game changer. And it was me saying no to a great opportunity in order to keep control over my brand. Mm -hmm. So do, is that some, so this is, I mean, that's my testimony. But in your life, would you say that that's something that you definitely agree with, saying no? Because most of us say yes, right? We live in a day and age, especially, yeah. you know this, coming from yeah. the tech space, is that we celebrate when venture capitalists come in and yeah. snap up 20% of our company. We're like, oh, yeah, look at this. But yeah. I always look at this and say, well, you just, you, you're not working for somebody else. I mean, they, they, play, they play with your mind, right? Because it's like, hey, we come in as a VC. We're going to make you some money. We're going to blow up your company but you own 1%. And it's like, they'll tell you 1% is better than zero. And it's like, sometimes it's not because I, I got to deal with you. You're crap, man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. like I was doing 100% fine without you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that, and that, but that's the, the game. Like they try to switch it up on you because they're looking at the dollar value. They're not looking at the perceived value of, you know, how it makes you feel. Right, mm -hmm. right. So it's, it's, it's very, I'm sure you've had enough of this. Like there's, it's very hard to say no. Yeah. But once you learn how to say no, man, it feels so good. Like it feels good being able to tell somebody, no, nah, I don't like that. Then them calling you back like a month later, like, hey, you know, we're going to raise it a little bit. And it's like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't like that one either. <laughs> Just to see how far they go. Yeah. But then, you know, they backfire sometimes. <laughs> that does. Yeah. But, yeah. It, but I, think, um, I think he's right. Like, I think saying no has saved me a lot. With the fat startup, you couldn't get me to do things outside of my world. Meaning that I was going to have a room full of minorities. Right. When we did NYU, everybody was like, no, you can't sell to minorities. They're not going to win. They're not going to not win. They're not going to pay for this. And it was like, okay, they're not going to pay for it, but I'm going to try. Mm -hmm. And that's all we did. We had sold out and given it to another community that had soaked it up quick because we were only charging $100. Right. But it was like, no, nah, I like the challenge of getting my people to give up the Jordans to come here. <laughs> it was a little difficult, but it was cool because it felt good being able to say we did this. Right. And we didn't fold because somebody else came in and gave us a free place. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. But and, and even so, you know, if someone came in right now and you say, actually, you said this a little while ago, mm -hmm. you get offers. Hey, come code for us. Yeah. Come do this development work. But you still say no. Yeah. And you say no because it feels you, good. 
<laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the short answer. But yeah. the real answer is because I want to have the freedom to do what I want to do. There like, I know if I go cold, I'm going to be locked up in a room. Yep. Maybe a room like this, smaller than this, by myself for 10 hours, 12 hours. I'm going to be thinking about commas, misplaced commas, misplaced <laughs> semicolons. Instead of actually saying, hey, you know what? I want to take these dads to go see the circus or something. Yeah. Like that. It's just, it'll take me away from it. The money's great. And, you know, no knock on the people that are getting the money. Um, it just didn't interest me. So, so I've got a question for you on this. Do you believe that saying no today is giving you greater opportunity tomorrow? Yes. Yes. Okay. It, but it, all, it comes with a cost. And it's the opportunity cost. Yeah. Uh, you lose on that opportunity. Um, you lose on some money in your pocket. And sometimes it, it, they might never come back. Or sometimes a better deal might not come quickly. But eventually it comes by. And when you when you stick to what you want to do, think of Q from Worldstar. Rest in peace, Q. Yeah, right? Yeah. Everybody said Worldstar, hot garbage, right? Always showing fights. McDonald's still had to give him an ad. They still had to give him an ad budget, a marketing budget. They still had to do it because he said, no, I'm not going to change my stuff. The stuff that I've served to my people is what they want to see. Yeah. Now they've changed a little bit, but it's because they've grown. Right. So I look at that. If Q could do it, we could do it. Right. Come on, Worldstar was, you know, for all intents and purposes, it was like garbage on the net. But it worked. Yeah. It got the community talking. He never folded. He said, no, you give me my money. Right. When right. I change it is. But McDonald's had to bow down. Yeah. McDonald's. But but what 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 gives you that sense of confidence to be able to say no? Because I see it all the time, especially with lifestyle entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. is that everyone is trying to extend their platform, get more likes, like do, you know, generate more money. And so everyone's out here saying, yes. Oh, you want to do a deal? Okay, yeah. Viagra, you want to do a deal? Yeah, come on, do a, do a deal with me. It's the people you I serve. I would not do a deal with Viagra. Yo, it's I'm the saying, people you Viagra, serve. I would not do a deal with you, <laughs> right? I, I respect what you do, but I would not do a deal with you, Viagra. Yeah. And why not? Because I don't use Viagra. That's, 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 the, that, that's, that's the same thing for us, though. It's like we say no because we don't believe in your product, we don't use your product, or we don't want to bow down to you. Right. But so, so, so we, so we're okay with that. Mm -hmm. But I know a lot of other people, yeah, who don't need that Viagra. That was man. I'll take that money all day long. Yo, that that's that's low hanging distractions. Yeah. Like that that's what it is. It's like literally. I, I need money. Oh <laughs> literally. Where that is I? low hanging. <laughs> it, it is though, because because this happens a lot with a business. Like somebody, let's say you're you're delivering flowers. Somebody comes to you and tells you, Hey, you got a car, deliver my computer to the house. Right? You say, Well, that's quick money. That's ten dollars. Right. I'm gonna go deliver that. But you left your business. You left yeah. your business of delivering flowers. Yeah. Just to put on a Band-Aid to get $10, that's low-hanging distractions. Yeah. You don't get distracted by those. Now, give me 100 of those opportunities. Now, your flower business don't exist anymore because you totally forgot about it. Yeah. So, there goes your passion. There goes your business. So, how, how, do we, how do we build up to that spot where we are willing to say no? I'm going to try to say this with a straight face, to low-hanging opportunities. <laughs> you got to take the lumps the first well, couple tries, I You think. do. Okay. You do. You do. I mean, okay. you, you just you just won't know. Um, so my dad's nickname is Tweet. Everybody calls him Tweet. So I have these <laughs> tweetisms that I share with people. Wow, Tweet. Before Twitter. Before Twitter. Before Twitter. Way before, yeah, my he dad's 70. Yeah. I know, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, he, my, my dad is the first entrepreneur I knew. Like, it was so cool going to work with him because we never went to the same place. We always had an adventure every time we hung out. Um, but he always said to me, all money ain't good money, yeah. you know, and, and that is what he said a lot of other things too, uh, that I won't share right now, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, you got to think about that, like all money ain't good money. 
It's true. You know, and for me, the measure is, you know, how does it feel in my spirit, right? Like, is this something, and, and we talked about your core audience, right? So for my ride or dies, like, am I advertising something that I don't believe in? Like, for me, I'm not going to do that. And there are people who are out there who will, you know, and that's their, you know, own business that they have to deal with. But for me, I think you have to establish, like, what your core values are, yeah. you know, as an entrepreneur. And... um you know, make decisions based on that. And like James said, the first couple of times you won't know, mm. right? I mean, I think for me, my biggest opportunity I've said no to is working in the world as a corporate lawyer, Yeah, right? Like a that's of money. a lot yeah. of money, a lot of money. Right? A lot it's a of money. lot of money, yes. but it wouldn't make me happy, honestly. And I know so many lawyers who are not happy. Like, yeah. In the beginning, when I decided to go this route, like it was hard. You know, my friends, when I was like 25, 26, making six figures, like it was really yeah. hard. Oh, yeah. But now they're like, man, how can I do what you do? Yes. You know? Yes. And chances are they won't even do it. Right. Because they're still stuck. They're stuck in that, that stuck. world where it's like, no, I need to make this money. Right. I need to and have this stigma on me where I'm I'm the bomb. And, right. they're, and, they're, and they're miserable. Right. And, and my thing was like, look, I could easily work my whole life in a big corporate law firm in New York, um, never get married, never have kids, and then die. Yeah. Like, for some people, it's just that simple. And I didn't want that life. Mm -hmm. yeah. you, you, know, know? you know what's crazy? Wow. Everything that you asked us about those questions, especially listening to your answers, um, I think that's part of like the entrepreneurship world, where it's like you take those lumps, right? Mm -hmm. And then you learn, but then it's easier for us to be able to say we're not dumb. Where it's like, I don't want to suffer at my job. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do these things. I don't want to sell fashion over men right. <laughs> on, my, on my Instagram account for $10 a pop. You sure? <laughs> I don't want to do that. Oh, man. You, and, I, and I think Damn, it takes you. Think of, no, no. no. I, I mean, uh, I want to see you do that. <laughs> Paul will make it work. I can't make it work. <laughs> I know those scores are too tight for me. <laughs> but, but yeah, like it's, it's one of those things that you learn by taking those lumps and mm -hmm. you realize that you don't want to be that person that's complaining. Right. Like, it's so hard. But once you start being real with yourself and saying, you know what? I don't want to suffer like them. I'll suffer in other ways. Yeah. It works because you think about the worst things that could happen to you with your career. Like, you left a, a corporate lawyer job, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to say to yourself, I'm going to be broke. I'm not going to have a house. My husband's going to leave me. None of those things happen. Yeah. yeah. You survive. <laughs> you find a way to survive. Yeah. And I learned that through Paul. Yeah. Because that's one of the questions I had with Paul the first yeah. time we talked, which was, yo, like... People call me a stay-at-home dad, but I'm not. I'm an entrepreneur. Yes. But you know what? I'll take both titles because I'm happy. Yes. Like, I'm not going to fall for their crap. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You that's I mean? Yeah, that's real. You, you know, also, I mean, what you just said, like, I almost got a chill where you said, you know, you, that those other things could have happened to you. You could be broke. You could yeah. have lost your husband. You could have lost your home. But they didn't. They mm -hmm. didn't. And when I think back to almost every entrepreneur who has had big wins or small wins, right, the common theme is, you, you know what? We will figure out a way to make this thing work. We'll and, and yeah, we'll, we'll survive. We'll survive. So then how does the person, because you mentioned, you just mentioned this, stigma and money, right? Yeah. Those mm -hmm. are the things that keep us locked in, mm -hmm. especially exactly. if we've gone through 10, 20 years of a career. So how does someone break free from the stigma and the the, the the handcuffs of money. How do they break through? Because we've already talked about, what's really cool about this is that I think we've already helped the person who says, you know what, I don't like where I'm at. I wanna leave anyway. So now what do I do? Well, we know, just do something. 
But what does the person do who feels like they're locked in? Become friends. Become friends with Richie. Become friends with Paul. Because when you have that circle of people that are doing it, you'll see that you could actually fit in. Because entrepreneurship is very lonely. I don't yeah. know how you guys feel about yeah. it, but my friends list went from 100 real friends <laughs> to maybe three. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't get invited to baby showers. I don't get invited to parties. I want to go to these things. Chances are I'm going to say no. But I don't get it. I don't even get invited. You want the invitation. I want the invitation because yo, I still exist. I'm still your friend. Hook me up. But I'm gonna say no because I'm busy. Yeah. Yeah. So you need to find a circle of people like this where you could actually sit down and talk about those hardships. Yeah. Talk about hey, my husband, I want to spend more time with him, but I gotta work 60 hours this week because I need to launch my business. Mm. You know, you need other people that are actually in the mud dealing with it to actually talk to us about it. So the new person, they might let's be honest, they might be too weak to say. I don't want this lifestyle. I want a better lifestyle. I want to go become an entrepreneur. If you're too weak, go stand next to some people that are strong. They'll turn you. Mm. They will turn you. Like all my friends are you guys. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, my friends from the block, all they know is the corner. They don't know the world I'm in. Yeah. We can't, well, there's nothing relatable there. there I go. need that circle of people like you guys to keep me up and going. Like, like you said, you mm-hmm. see Paul pop up with something new. Yo, that's motivating for me. Right. It's like, man, right. you think Paul got it all figured out, got a beautiful life. And then he adds another element to that beautiful life. And it's like, yo, what the hell am I doing? Right. Like, I still got one thing. (laughs) Like, yo, I need to step it up. Yeah. And that's why you need that circle. Like, you need your your friends list to to be be people that's in the mud with you. Yeah. That is so true. I think that's so true. I also think, too, I mean, you got to have a plan. You know, if you're you're feeling like you're entrenched right now, you got to have a plan to get out. Right? You don't just go from nine to five to entrepreneur in one day, you got to think about, you know, what is, what does this mean? And it could mean, all right, when you finish your nine to five, you do your six to 12, you know what I mean? And I think for most people, that's probably the easiest way to transition is doing whatever you want to do on the side until you can do that as your full plate. Right. Right. I I love it. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I, I had to take the other route because, um, I just knew myself where it was mm-hmm. like, I, you had to I'm just not, jump. Yeah, I had to yeah. jump because I couldn't do the six to 12 because yeah. it was going to be like, man, one day I'm going to be so tired from waking mm-hmm. up at 5 30 that I don't want to work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was I, like, I have to do it because if not, I'm going to go chase the small money. Yeah. I'm going to go yeah. chase the consulting gigs mm-hmm. instead yeah. of actually working on my business. I call that the whole ass theory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, right? That's what I call it, right? Yeah. Because, you know, there's the half ass theory, yeah. which is yeah. I'm just going to, you know, half it. Yeah. yeah. But let's keep it real. We all prefer a whole ass yes. than yes. we yes. do to a half of an ass. <laughs> yeah. So that's the whole ass theory. You need it. Yeah. You need it. <laughs> but she was me, like, what I did I, I give myself? It For me, I needed it. That sounds a little ass backwards to me. I'm just, I'm I'm just saying. There's a lot I of think, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I think, though, that for the reluctant entrepreneur, I yeah. think that's the only way they'll get yeah. to it. Otherwise, they'll stay stuck. Yeah. Like, I think I some agree. people need to dip their dip their toe. I, 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 I agree with you as far yeah. as, like, jumping in. Like, I think, you know, if you don't jump in, you could very easily stay there. But at the same time, when people are tied to that money. Yeah. You know, they need kind of like a plan. And I know people who, a lot of people who have done that successfully, you know, figured Mm -hmm. out how much money do I need to put aside before I can do this? And that's what makes them feel comfortable. But to me, as as long as you're doing it, you know, however you get there is how you get there. But knowing that that's the end point that you're working toward, I think is the most important thing. I I think she's 100% spot on because when I left, when I left Random House, it it just wasn't overnight. Mm -hmm. I thought about it. I think it was January. 
And then I told all my coworkers, you know, once again, I used them as my as my leverage, right? Where I told them, hey, I don't want to be like you guys. I'm yeah. going to quit. And they were all like, no, you're not going to quit. I plan to quit by June. And I saved enough money to hold me down because like other people, I was afraid about the money. Yeah. 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 You know, uh, a really good book on this is Jenny Blake's book called yeah. Pivot. Yeah. Yeah. Where she talks about how you create the runway and how, you know, you know, for me, it's interesting. I believe... So, you know, I'm a big believer in the whole ass. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> right. I, I'm a big believer in, in it. You know? <laughs> and I will say that uh, the the pivot, that whole theory has never worked well with me in my personality. Mm -hmm. But I think that's because of the enormous amount of risk I like to take. Mm -hmm. I like to take risk. You know, it's something that I think is just kind of in my DNA. Mm -hmm. uh, but that sl slower transition period is the smarter way. Yeah. The much smarter way, right? Yeah, that's, less that's, stressful. Yeah. Less, way less stressful. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Knowing that your bills are covered. That's oh, the, that's but that's not the Paul way. No, no. Paul said, man, I'm going to sleep on the street. I'll make this happen. <laughs> exactly. I was like, it's summertime. Yeah. We can all sleep on the street but, but right that, now. But, yeah, that, but, that, but that's, that's, that's proof that we're not all built the same. Because yeah. Yeah. I, I could be the one telling people right now, just do it. But I didn't just do it. Mm -hmm. I, I did what she said, which was I planned, I saved enough money, and then I went in and I did it. So I combined right. both. Yeah. Right. So it's really up to you to find out who you really are. Mm -hmm. And not that not that bull crap of, oh, I, I, I'm such and such when people are around me. Who are you by yourself? Like when you look at the mirror, what are you really about? Mm -hmm. A lot of people can't be real with themselves with that. Like mm -hmm. I was real with myself. I needed some money. Mm -hmm. I needed to make sure I had some money because I was coming from an area where I didn't have money before that. I didn't want my wife to suffer without my income. Mm -hmm. So it was more of a pride thing. Yeah, I was real with myself. Pride-wise, pride, pride wise, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I couldn't do it with zero. I had to save. Now I'm at zero. But now it's because I went through the trials and tribulations that I'm okay with my wife being the breadwinner while I build a business. Yeah, mm -hmm. And you would want to help me with that because we talked about that. Where it's like, how do you get over that? Yeah. Because I want to just be able to buy everything. And I couldn't. Yeah. You know, yeah. So you have to be really real with yourself. And I think a lot of people... That's that's the real trouble. Uh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You know what I I think what I love most about this conversation is that what you two are doing is exquisite, right? Because you're in your passion, you're creating, you're helping people, but you're also f good family people. You know, yeah. at the same time, like yeah. feels good. It, it, yeah, yeah it's, it's good. you 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 almost have I think the ideal world from a sense where I think a lot of people who are not yet in entrepreneur entrepreneurship believe that. You can't be an entrepreneur, successful as an entre entrepreneur. Why am I having a hard time with entrepreneurs? It's, terrible, <laughs> it's right? a hard word, uh, hard, a hard <laughs> word to spell. <laughs> yeah. What the hell is the? I don't know what's happening, right? Yeah. But you can't, you can't do all those things, and then at the same time maintain being mommy or daddy. Mm -hmm. And you can't, yeah. right? You can do these things. You can, that's your priority. Yeah, right? how you prioritize? prioritize. Yeah. yeah. To me, it's always family first. Like, mm -hmm. you know, going back to Ben Horowitz, when we sat down, we talked about the only business that I can't fail at is my family. That's that's the rule I abide by. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna fail them. I could fail this business. I could lose a real estate deal here. I could lose a house. I'm not gonna lose my family. Right. I'm not losing my kids. I'm right. not gonna embarrass myself like that. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I like it. Yeah. I like it. All right. So let me hit you with this last one, guys. What advice would you give, right? If you had to think of the most powerful advice you can give around creating passion to that person, once again, I'm going to go back to that person who feels like, man, I'm just, I'm just locked into the situation. I can't break free. I want to break free, but I can't break free. We know, okay, stand next to 
someone who has broken free. Yeah. Right. We know that that's one. What's something else that they could do right now? Right. I'm listening to what you're going to say, and then I'm going to go out and immediately execute it. What is that? So I'm a huge proponent of vision boards. Like every time I get an opportunity to talk about vision boards, I'm pushing them. So right now, right here, what you can do is figure out what your ideal life looks like right? Your work life, your home life, and find those images and put those in front of you. And it sounds, you know, a little cheesy to some people, but I'm telling you, I swear by them. And that has created so many opportunities, so many things that I never believed could happen. In fact, I believe you should put on there things that are just completely just wild, like unbelievable, like this will never happen. Something that I thought would never happen just happened to me last week. Wow, really? Yeah, it did. That you had on your vision board. I had on my vision board. I put on my vision board, uh, I don't know how many years ago, this big event that Better Homes and Gardens does. That's like like the Bible in the tablescaping world, right? So um, I put that on my vision board. It's a style maker event because I'm like, yeah, I want to be a Better Homes and Gardens style maker. <laughs> they only, like out of all the people in the world, they choose like 80 style makers each year. And they invite you to this really exclusive invitation event, invitation only event in New York. There's no application process. They just find you. Mm-hmm. And I put that on my vision board. And I was like, even if I never make it there, like I'm going to think of myself as a style maker in my mind. And last year I was just about to take it off. Like, I was like, this is just never going to happen. Like, I don't even know why I keep putting this on here every year because this is just never going to happen. But there was this voice inside me that said, you know what? Keep it on there because you never know. Wow. And I'm, and I'm curious, what was it? What was the- Oh, it was um, from the magazine. It okay. was like literally a picture of the style maker event, Better Homes and Gardens style maker. Like I have a few of these on here because I did this like over the course of years. Wow. Um, but last week, Guess who was in New York with Better Homes and Gardens wow. as one of their 2019 wow. style makers. There we go. There yes. we go. There we go. But that is such a classic example of just putting something that just seemed like impossible at the time on my vision board. And obviously there are actions and things that you have to take to get there, but just placing those things in front of you, no matter how ridiculous they may seem. The first time I ever did that was years after um, not having um, success getting pregnant. Mm. And I put a baby on my vision board and the next year, like within months, actually, I got pregnant. Wow. So that was the first time I ever did a vision board. And I'm just, I'm saying this because I know it works. It's it's worked in my own life. Things that even when I was at the bottom felt like there was no place to go but up. That's when the vision boards work the best. Interesting. Right? And I'm just like curious that. because I have not yet done a vision board, but now I'm, I'm thinking about you it. You really, really is, should. W- yeah. W- walk us through the basics of it. So is it, so you put it together and then how so, often do you look at it? Well, so what I do is I look at it uh, in terms of a year. Right. Um, Some people do longer than a year. I prefer like in the next year, what do I want my life to look like? And the way I start is with an assessment because otherwise it's just a pretty collage, right? If you're just cutting out pictures. So I look at different areas of my life that are most important to me, right? And I rate kind of how am I doing here in these areas? Like what, what am I really, really knocking out of the park and what can I work on? And then I create goals based on that assessment. So I write them down and then, you know, I don't know, you can call it magic or whatever, but when I go through the magazines, I always pick magazines that have things that are like relevant to me. So I never use my husband's ESPN magazine. (laughs) I just, I like that's nothing is going to be on my vision board. And you don't want any problems. No. no. (laughs) So, um, but those images of the things that I have written down 
it's almost as if by magic, they're just waiting for me. So I cut those out. And then the way I organize my vision board is I kind of have quadrants where, you know, this is like family over here, my family goals, my career, this, that. One year we were living in our apartment and I was like, I'm just going to put my dream home on here. Like, here's what I want my kitchen to look like. I want my craft studio. Like, I was like really like wild <laughs> with it. Like, I never had a craft studio before, but I was like, I want this. And then I also want an upstairs office where there's lots of light and da-da-da-da-da. All this like stuff, specific rooms I put on my vision board. There. You've been to my yeah. house. And yes, Richie and, has a craft room. I've never, I, I was do. like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, this is my craft room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have my craft studio. I have my upstairs office. I have the kitchen I always wanted. But that was just another example of just, I mean, I'd never seen this house before, but I, I put it in my mind and then I put it on my vision board. So, I mean, that's, and you know, you, it's and just- you, And you let it sit there. It could be two, yeah. three, four years. Well- no, I work in a year, but oh, something, some things, some things may take longer. Like the Better Homes and Gardens, like I wanted to continue that from year to year. But for the big, big things, my goal is like is like a year, and I put it up in my office. And some people uh, will snap pictures and put them on their phones or their computers. As so you're they, reminded yeah. of it, but you're yeah. reminded of it every day. And I think the best times to look at it are when you're at your worst. Mm. Um, you know, it. you have my commitment. I'm going to put together a vision board. Yeah. Yes. I'll, probably, I'll put it. To, but what else do you phone. need to accomplish, Paul? I tell you, there, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a project. Some cool things. I know. Oh things. man! In, in particular, and I'm sorry. Last question on this because I'll ask him. Yeah. So once that vision board though is is complete, just yeah. like you were asking me, what do I want to accomplish? Yeah. Do you encourage people to then share those ideas with the public? Oh, good idea. I mean, good question. No. 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 So that's just, I'm only no. looking at that. No, I operate on what I call um, the lemonade rule. You guys know lemonade, Beyonce's lemonade, when yep. she dropped that album overnight, right? Yes. So like, I don't drop anything until like, it's actually like already done. <laughs> because okay. Okay. I think, and Steve Harvey actually said this, um, something to the effect of don't share your big dreams with small-minded people. Mm. And you really don't know in your life who's small-minded sometimes. Yeah. So I, um, I keep, I keep that. To my, I share after the fact, like, you know, stuff has actually happened, but while it's in motion, um, it's something that stays in my office and okay. I, and nothing that I share on social media until like stuff actually, you know, has happened. And then it's like, Oh, oh. I dropped an album overnight. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So done. I'm going to do it. I won't share it with anyone. Yeah. So you all will not, no one's, yeah. no, I'm joking. but share with, you know, with your crew, but yeah. not with small minded people. Yeah. Right. I mean, and then, you know, done. because you want that positive energy, but it's not something that, you know, that I just, I broadcast because I mean, you just, you, you know, you just, you keep working in the background. And next thing you know, you've got your it's, next big project. It's there. All right. Mm -hmm. I'm excited about this. Good. Yeah, excited they, about they work. This. Yeah. All right. Oh, you work. do vision boards? Yeah, I set up a vision board every year. Oh my Jeez, god! Yeah. Wow, look at this. So, do you do a vision board? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I do that, and then um, behind my computer, you have a whole bunch of post-it notes. And that'll usually be like a tweet from somebody or a quote that I really like. And I look at that every morning. Because once again, entrepreneurship is very lonely. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so, wow. so for the reader, I mean, for the listener, what I would say is um, whatever you want to start, if you don't feel comfortable, educate yourself, but don't over-educate yourself. Okay. Where that's something that I used to do a lot. Before I quit my job, I used to read Forbes, all of these magazines, all the books, and I used to fantasize. Like I had a lot of daydreams about what I wanted to do, where I would be. Um, it took me five years to finally quit my job. Mm. I should have done that since day one. So it's like move on it quick. Educate yourself. Don't don't get caught up with that. Uh, what what do they call it? Educational paralysis. Yes. Mm. Don't get caught up yes. with that. And then always for me, what works really well is I look at somebody doing what I want to do, and I 
it sounds horrible, but I look at them and I say, this person's no, no competition. It could be Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm still going to look at him and find something that I think I could do better. Mm. And then that's what I'm going to fight to do. But that's just the way I operate. Like to me, it's like I have nobody else to push me yeah. besides looking at my kids. You know, you could look at your kids as motivation. They're not going to push you. Right. So I need to push myself. Okay. So I look at people and I say, all right, he's doing that. I could do it better. This is what I'm going to do. Let me learn from their mistakes and keep going. There we so go. that's part of education. You could really get caught up and educate yourself for the rest of your life. And then you're one of those people at a cube saying, damn it, I wish I had done this at 21. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I know so much about this, but yeah. yeah. But yeah then then you got to think about it. Like people say it all the time. When you quit your job, you could be 30 years old, right? People will say that's kind of late for, to start. And it's like, yeah, but you might live another 50 years. Oh, yeah. It's not. Like, that's incredible. It's not. You know, you know, and I was actually just telling this to my Uber driver coming yeah. in is she's 54 years old. And she was talking about starting, saving up to start this business. And she was like, oh, God, but this is, I'm just so late. I'm just so late in the game. Kaufman did the most exhaustive survey around when are the most successful times to start a business, right? It is in that 45 to 55 range. Yeah. When do we make the most money? In the 50s and, and 60s. So absolutely, it's not yeah, too late. Yeah. It's you know, you're 30, you're early to the game. Right, it's never yeah. too late. And if, and the thing is, like, a lot of times people just use that as, as an excuse. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, wait, what, what did you accomplish that's going to fail right now? Because if you're thinking that you want to start a company and you're thinking that you should have done this earlier, that means everything that you did until that moment doesn't really matter. Like you could have been working as a VP at a at a big trading equity place, making a million dollars. What you're telling me is that making a million dollars didn't fulfill you. Right. So, yo, just go do it. Right. And then going back to what you said earlier, you could be walking, get hit by a bus, get hit by a, a AC. You know, we live in I live in New York City. Mm -hmm. Something could fall from a building and just pop me. And there I go. I'm dead. Yep. So why not kill myself by trying? Right. right. There we go. Like, let's That's, go get it. Man, yeah. let's yeah. get it. Let's get something out ready. Well, who, said, who said that? 50 Cent, right? Get yeah. rich or die trying. Well, right. yeah. get yeah. building or die trying, right? <laughs> <laughs> he has gotten very rich. I mean, yeah. And not everybody's going to make it. Right. But, you know, you got to know what's what's good for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, look, I honestly, we could have this all day. Seltrick is like, look, wrap this freaking thing up. Wrap this conversation up. He's like, I'm trying to, he's like, I'm try, I'm trying to get lunch three hours later. Right, 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 right. <laughs> the special three-hour episode. Of, uh, but no, this, this, has been, this has been very inspirational. This has been insightful. Um, I highly respect both of you. Thank you. I want to say I, I, I cherish our friendship uh, and I'm inspired. Likewise. by what both of you have done and what you continue to do. And I know that a lot of folks listening are going to say, okay, I want to stand by Richie and James. How do I stand by <laughs> Richie and James? So how do they, how does everybody reach out to you if they want to stand by you? All right. All right. Uh, all things Richie is my Instagram. So that's all things R-I-C-H-E. And then the Rich Life on YouTube, uh, which is again, R-I-C-H-E. Love for you guys to join us. We're always having a blast there. Men and women. Well, <laughs> women and men, I should say. <laughs> so we have lots of women, but the men come too, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I and then also too, I have people who reach out to me all the time who ask um, just, you know, questions about um, what they're doing in their lives and how can I get into this or, or that or whatever. And to the extent that I can, um, I always like to drop a little bit of advice. So feel free to reach out and, um, you know, maybe I can help get you started. There we go. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Um, for me, I, I kind of like, I have my personal accounts that I barely use now as I got it more into the business, right? So to reach me, it would be um, Fatherhood is Lit on all platforms. That's uh, Fatherhood is Lit, L-I-T, on all platforms. And 
I, I, I'm a still, I'm a big believer in DMs, but I'm also a big believer in emails. Mm -hmm. So for me, if you want to contact me, your best opportunity will be James at cool, the number four dads.com. Wow. That's cool. The number four dads.com. Wow. This man dropped his personal email out here. Um, I believe, I believe, you know what it is? Um, when social media came about, everybody said you couldn't use that to communicate. That's how I got Paul. Right. That's the tip. That's how I got Paul. Um, now we're going back to emails. People are not emailing anymore. They're DMing you. So now you have a thousand DMs compared to two emails. Guess what's going to get answered first? There you go. Yeah. That is smart. That's what we're just talking about. Business cards. You're like, I need to get some business cards now. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, coming back too, man. Yeah, business cards they're coming back too because really? it's, it's a social media overload. Okay. Think, think of all the DMs you got in your phone. Like, they must be going crazy. Yeah. But your real clients are the ones emailing you, telling you, "Here's the check. Let's work." That's true. Yeah. And I hate to end on this, but you know, I get a lot of dick pics. <laughs> what? <laughs> Drop mics. I need an episode. This is a, this is a major my, problem. Right, right. This is a major problem that I have. And I'm oh serious. I'm serious about this. And I, and I would like it to stop because it's a problem. Um, Rich is like, what <laughs> happened? I'm sorry. I yeah, so on that right. note, thank you very much, guys. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> and that's it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And let me tell you, I truly feel like I'm becoming better through these discussions, and I hope you feel the same way. Anyways, until next time, catch you on the next episode of Better With Paul. <laughs>